Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We are here. Have a great chat. Great to have you, John. Chris, good to see you back again. Uh, we do have Julia coming. She'll be here shortly as soon as we get the uh, invite sorted out. Before I do anything else, though, I do want to make sure that everybody likes the show, subscribes to the channel, hits the notification bell, does all that good stuff because it's algorithmic. And then, yeah, that's all I got for that one. Yeah, uh, that, that was quite a flare moment for right? not really anything. It really, yeah, I, I let there. it down, didn't I? Yeah. And no. the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> algorithmic. Algorithmic. I, I was hoping that would come across better. It just, it obviously did not. And <laughs> I think we flat. think we lost people right there. As soon as I said it, I was yeah, like, our viewers went people down. People unsubscribed on that. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> um, do we have any uh, any thoughts? Oh, there she is. Boom. Julia. Hey, guys. Nice. Morning, Julia. Everybody's here. I like it. Uh, quick little good morning, winter storm. Good to see you. Always good to see you. Um, any thoughts, any questions, anything stirring, percolating in your guys' minds? Anything before? I, I got topics, but. Yeah, got, something uh, is percolating in my mind that was percolating uh, algorithmically. I was going to say, is it algorithmic? Three seconds ago. And, <laughs> what do you got? Um, so yesterday we had Pat Mack on and uh, Pat McNamara. And that's kind of a milestone moment in my opinion, mm -hmm. at least for me. Anyway, I didn't think I'd ever be chirping with Pat Mack, which is weird. Uh, but there it is. It happened. Now, I don't want to take that moment and make it into such a big deal that this isn't a big deal. All I see it is, is a milestone, not a stepping stone. It's just a milestone. And now I'm looking at the people on this panel who I've spoken with in the past. And there's no difference between the Pat Max of the world and the folks that are here on this panel. It's all good people with uh, a whole bunch of good uh, opinions and attitudes and wisdom and knowledge. And that's what we're doing, uh, hanging out over here. Every once in a while, when a quote-unquote celebrity may or may not show up, it doesn't diminish the conversation that we're going to have with people who aren't, uh, well, kind of like Chris Lee, large and in charge, a big deal. <laughs> I mean, kind of. He kind of is a yeah. big deal. Just you know, I, I can't help myself, Chris. He, I'm sorry. He's in skirmish mode immediately. In skirmish mode. It's already <laughs> on. Um, I work out. <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna say you know one of the benefits is is that it that's because the conversation is the primary focus here that's what enables us to to do this right and that's where i think it is you're right it's a milestone not a like a stepping stone or like a woohoo moment it's right? not, it's it's not just, like game changing it's just no. notable i think it's cool yeah. one of those cool moments uh and we found out that sean and pat mac probably met years ago back in the day yeah. when Sean was the first Canadian to uh, work with Delta. Pretty cool. Yeah. Down Pretty in their, uh, down in their stalls. In mm -hmm. fact, I, I wish I would have said to Pat Mack, Hey, you know, so kind of on the first or second day that I was there, uh, standing on the range, cracking rounds down range, y'all had your 45s while I had my P226 watching y'all change your mags yet again i would have loved to have got all up in his head over that <laughs> thankfully at the very beginning of the show i specifically said hey we're not here to talk about mag changes or anything like that so it worked out quite well um any other thoughts before we jump into one of the topics i got here otherwise unless you guys got some thoughts on what sean put put up milestones about the smoke up there big bird how about uh, how bad is the smoke that you have right now? It's for us, for Sean, yeah. for me, it's not actually that for bad. You. It's no? not bad. It's kind of okay. hazy, but it smells like smoke. It kind of feels like being at a campfire. Okay. Because uh, here, here yeah, it's 10 out of 10 for, yeah, yeah, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. It's hey. pretty bad. But you know what? I did say this morning in my live IG chat because someone had, had kind of not moaned, not whined. But it, it referenced that it's it was slightly moany, uh, <clears throat> that it's a little smoky. Okay, cool, I get it. You know, um, it wasn't it wasn't whiny. The reference being that if there's if there's a bit of smoke out there, okay, use common sense. Either go out in it or don't go out in it, depending on who you are. But me, <coughs> like a few years ago, it was so freaking smoky out here you could barely see your hand in front of your face. 
do you know what I had to do? I had to train for a 24 hour solo mountain bike uh, race, a world championship on my single speed. That meant six hours with a mask on my face and a scarf wrapped around the mask in 30 plus degrees Celsius, hammering the single track like a lunatic out there. Cause that's what you got to do, man. There's no days off when your goals are big. And so smoke or no smoke, you got to find a way to work around it. So many years ago, like a lunatic, I'd be ripping around on our trails with masks on. And then many years later, listening to people talk about how they don't want to put a mask on because they're dot, 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 whatever. And I was like, are you even kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. So if you want something bad enough, you won't shell up in your house in bubble wrap and think that I can't do anything until all the smoke in the world is gone. There's always going to be smoke. You got to figure out a way to work around it. That's my point that I tried to make in my IG chat this morning. I don't know yeah. if I made it or not, but. I, I think it was there. It was pretty clear. And I mean, the funny thing is when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, I remember being in Mop 4. And that, for those that don't know, sucks. Full <laughs> tilt. Full tilt. Full tilt. Full gas mask. Full uh, charcoal jumpsuit with the gloves on, taped up, boots on, taped up, and then pick up your gear. And then go for a walk. And then do all your stuff. And it, it was, uh, that, that, that sucked. So when I had the yeah, there's there's loads of levels of suck, oh, yes. and the only way that you mm-hmm. can understand true suckage is to explore a whole pile of layers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, well, actually, this kind of goes into what I want to talk about, and what I want to talk about because I have on this panel here, I have four coaches. Mm, I hadn't they, put that together. Been, well done. They have been a, uh, you know directed effort on my part to get a bunch of coaches on all at the same time so we could talk about oh, i don't know coaching <laughs> there's no way that'll ever happen right no just no way uh but it goes into what you say there sean is that uh, there is smoke out there and a lot of people will use that as an excuse i mean we used to call uh what was it uh farewell fair weather soldiers or people that like they don't want to go to the field unless it's nice out fair weather jumpers fairweather weather jumpers there you go um but how do you get through to people as a coach when you're when people are coming up with all those well yeah but uh, uh you know but my shoulder or oh it's just too hot outside you know that that kind of stuff where how do you get through that i'm gonna put chris start. on the fire oh, i'm okay. gonna put chris on the fire all right i like fire uh <laughs> lots, lots of smoke with fire though chris you might not be able to go outside i, I can handle the heat <laughs> <laughs> nice um so, uh, folks, I, I can start to tell early on uh, when I'm starting to work with folks uh, whether or not they're serious about moving forward and progressing themselves. Because uh, the the folks that are real serious don't have any excuses at the front end. Uh, it's just like, all right, this is our mission. All right, five years from now, this is where we want to be. So today, we have to accomplish X, Y, Z. It's the it's the guys that that start. Well, I couldn't make it today because whatever, or yeah, my shoulder hurts, or um, yeah, I just didn't get around to it. They the ones that start making excuses like that, I'm like, all right, I understand how this is going to go now. So it's, it's more expectation management on my end. Um, is, uh, I, all I can do is tell them how to get to where they want to go. I can't make them do the work. You know what I mean? That's a great point. Julia uh, or John, you got any point, points, thoughts? J- Julia is my coach right now. so it's There awesome. you go, Julia. What do you got? <laughs> you didn't know that? I don't know. <laughs> Um, How incestuous. <laughs> You've got coaches coaching coaches. What is even? Next thing you know, it's cats and dogs. Yeah. yeah. Living together. So I, I, try, I try to remind people of like a moment where they've overcome something that was probably worse than what they're complaining about at that time. So, for instance, when Sean was just talking about, you know, training on the mountain bike, you know, getting out there anyway and, get, and, and doing the work, I'll admit yesterday, I I would have gone for a run outside, but I was like, why wouldn't I just run on the treadmill if I can? I still got my workout in and I still got it done, but I just I just switched, you know, the environment. Um, but when I was in Kandahar, I would run outside and it was it would be really dusty and I'd wear one of those what are those called? The schmogs. Yeah. You know, we'd so we'd run with that on our face. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't gonna not do it because of the environment that I was in. So 
I look back on moments like that and it's like, well, I still got the job done. It's just, you got used to, you pivoted and you got used to your environment. So when I have clients doing that, I try to remind them of, you know, something that they've overcome in the past. So I try to Mm. kind of see if they have, um, I, I, I bring up, um, like if we have coaching calls, if we have Zoom calls, I'll try to um, bring up uh, memories of maybe something they've overcome in the past, ask them questions. When they first start coaching with me or, or training with me, um, we have a, a Zoom call initially and they might tell me like things of the past that they're proud of, where they want to get back to. And so I, I have that. It's like my ammo. And then I just pull it back in. <laughs> and I'm like, remember when you told me this? I like that. I like that. John, you got any thoughts? Um, I, I mean, uh, I mean, Julia, I just realized the question you asked me, so screw you on this one. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, it, I guess it depends on the type of coaching as well, right? Like the, the one I do is about trauma, mm. right? So if the person is not ready to visit their own crap, I'll be very clear that don't waste your time paying. I'm not, I'm not here for the money. I'm here to make you feel better down the road, like for helping you besides you getting to whatever point A, B, C. But if you're totally in, in the phase where you're not ready to heal, why would you waste your time? Right? Like we, we need to get ready to be at a certain point to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, with this, and I'm sure like we're all on the same thing. If there's no connection, I would rather having that person going to see someone else as well, right? Because you need to have that teamwork to go forward, right? Mm-hmm. It, it has to be on the same line. It, it, it all depends. Yeah. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I was lucky in, when I, in respect to coaching because uh, I will say that my reputation preceded me. So if someone was reaching out to me, it's because they wanted to get after it, not because they needed a new friend. I ain't your friend. I'm the guy who's going to kick your freaking arse based on the equation that you gave me to solve. We'll solve it together, but holy moly, on day one, you're going to get it right through to the day end. That's the way I am. If, if you want more from yourself, I'll squeeze it right out of you. And um, for people who show up on my front doorstep saying, uh, hey, I've never heard of you, but I, are you a coach? Bounce. If someone comes up on me and says, hey, uh, I'm kind of thinking about maybe bounce, you got to show up with conviction to convince me that I'm going to listen to you. And then once I'm listening to you, you better like double down and really convince me that I should continue listening to you. There's too little time on the planet for me to work with people who are half in and half out of the game. Jump all the way in and we're going to smash together. Otherwise, move along. When it comes to firing someone uh, as a coach, I've fired people for sure. Because it's not just the individual who's underperforming or whining or whatever that is getting way out of control. It's impacting me. It's impacting my mental health. Like, I want the best for someone. I don't want to have to fight someone to have to get them to believe that they want the best for themselves. That ain't my job. I'm not a life coach, though I do life coach. I'm, I'm a performance coach, and that means like look, look out at the horizon and then look beyond it because that's where we're going. Hang on for the ride. It's going to sting. But at the end of the ride, you'll be able to look back and think, holy moly, I can't believe I did that. That's what I'm into. But if an athlete decides they're not into it, in the blink of an eye, you're gone. That brings up an interesting question in my mind is that do you think that that's the most common issue as a coach is dealing with people's excuses? Or do you think that there is something more, um, I guess really what I'm, I'm trying to figure out is like, what would be the biggest or the most common issue you would run into as a coach with dealing with your athletes or dealing with the people that you're coaching? What do you think is the most common? Soft, soft, weak, yeah. Mentally and physically soft. Hmm. I mean, Everyone thinks they're hard, but they ain't. There's a bunch of people who, I don't know what, 1% of the planet, not even, is semi-hard or whatever. I, I know a, a few people who are really, really freaking hard, harder than I am. Mm-hmm. And that 
is uncommon. But there's a lot of people who think they're hard, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because they've never been around hard. But there's a, there's a, a slim slice of humanity that is hard and that's rare that they go out looking for coaching they've kind of formed themselves up through the process they're now a formed blade maybe through their own mistakes or whatever the case is but if you're freaking hard chances are you're not looking around for a a day one coach the people who generally come up looking for a coach and where it all goes wrong, at least from what I've seen in the past. And that's why I bounce them really quick is because they think they're hard, but they don't want to become hard. Mm. They think they've done a few things, but in my world, it's nothing. You're, you're a raw beginner. Who's got some dreamy dreams that are based in non-reality of you thinking you're hard. And I can't, put them on a bike next to me and say, prepare to vomit. Cause if I could, I would. <laughs> and then at the end of their vomiting, I'd look at them and say, so do you still want to be coached? Cause this is the game, but you can't do that digitally. You can't do that remotely. You can't have someone understand what they're going to get into if they really want to get into it. Mm. And so it's a tricky balance. I don't have time to waste on someone who thinks they're in the game, but they're not in the game. So that's why they get bounced. I figure it out really, really, really quick if someone's got conviction or not. And not too many people do. It's a mindset. Yeah, it is. I, I think it comes down to this, right? Like if you are, that is fitness, that is your super athlete, that is uh, healing from trauma, that, that is whatever maybe. you need to have that mindset and being ready. The coach will be there to say like, okay, we're going to go that way. But you do the work uh, as the, 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 the client, if you wish. Uh, to an extent and, and i think it goes for everything right like uh, i think the other aspect that you can see as well I, I think i see it it's sad to say but there's a phase and i'm gonna use ptsd where it's boohoo me mm-hmm. and it's okay go through that phase right and, and, but at one point that victim mentality gotta stop or you stay in it right like boohoo i've seen awful things okay cool N- now like do you want to move on do you want to heal right or are whatever it is, like if you vomited, right? Like, are you going to just jump back on the bike and go again? Well, I'm going to ask that person to rehydrate and get back on their bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course. So, so that's the point, right? So you need to have that mindset to keep on pushing through whatever you have to go through. So there, that's an interesting point, John. I'll, I'll use myself as a personal example. So I, you know, I've got PTSD or... Uh, I've I've been uh, titled as having PTSD, and my P- my PTSD process lasted about three seconds. I've talked about it in the past. I was uh, you know talking to the psychiatrist of the day, and she said, "Well, we've done all of our formal reporting, Sean. Here's the results. What's the results? Did you know you've got PTSD?" And I kind of did this blink, blink, blink. Okay, thanks, good. And she said, "What? Good? What do you mean, good? Good? Now I know what it's called. Now I can go smash it. What do you mean?" So PTSD lasted three seconds for me. That's how long I hung out in it. I didn't know what it was beforehand. The moment I was told it, I gave it three seconds to think, now you're going to get it. I'll figure it out. So the idea being that the moment that someone tells you dot, 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 the difference between someone who's in the game and someone who's attending the game is enough conviction will go blink, 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 time to smash. And so that's not everyone. That's a rare slice of the population that looks at a problem and instantly hammers it. Some people take a lot of time to think about things. I don't need a lot of time. If there's a problem and I know it needs to get solved, I'm breaking out Thor's hammer and cracking it upside the head. But that's how I was brought up in the military. That was the culture that I was taught. That's, that's how I know things get done for me. I look at it in the eye and I smash it. So that isn't for everyone. I'm not saying that if you didn't ever do that in your life, that you're a bad person, you're maybe a better person than I am, but I have my way. My way is action, not thought. So I just want to raise that so that we don't get lost in the mud of when you're told this, you need X amount of time. Mm. I, I think people can have the, like, I mean, it can take them three years, four years, five years, two days, a minute, 
right? We all have our path. I don't care as long as you want to go through it. This is kind of for me. I see it, the, the goal of it, right? If you want to be stanient and, and you know comfortable into your own craft, this is when it becomes dangerous. Mm-hmm. It right? does. What what I was right. saying, John, is mm-hmm. um, the moment that you're told you've got dot dot dot. There's an element within society that thinks, okay, I'm just going to sit in that for a while, mm-hmm. whereas I don't. Now, however long it takes me to figure things out, whether it's three seconds or a million years, isn't relevant to the point that I'm trying to make, which is this. Thought, action. Mm-hmm. A, a whole pile of people hang out in that first phase and wait years to go to that second phase. Thought, action. I like that. That basically you're you're describing the uh, the OODA loop, right? Just at a <laughs> depending on the speed at which you run through it. Is it is your base? You're just as soon as you can actually orient on it for you, Sean. As soon as you can actually orient on it, you're gonna like, okay, this is my next course of action, and then yeah, you're gonna I'm smash target locked. Absolutely, yeah, because that's what I was taught. Yeah, that's probably what you were taught, Chris. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a certain element within the military that is action oriented. Yeah, sure. Uh, I I think there's definitely something to be said for for taking immediate action. I, I also think that there's uh, something I try to instill in my own life is, is tactical patience. Uh, sometimes you need just a second or two to take a step back and look at the whole battlefield as it develops, um, so you can make the best course of action. Um, sometimes the best course of action is to just start smashing things for sure. And I totally support that. And I've used that often in my own life. Uh, but, uh, I, I found that, uh, yeah, taking a step back, seeing how things are developing and then choosing a, a best or better course of action is sometimes super, super helpful as well. Thanks for the clarity because smashing is not a hundred percent every single time. And taking the moment to observe the entire battlefield strategically is also critical. Uh, no doubt about it. Thanks, Chris. Mm-hmm. I do like it, but it's still, it's the decision, right? Martin, good to see you. Um, it, that's what we're, we're talking about, though, right? It's not just about the, okay, I really should observe the battlefield. Or I really should smash this. Or I really should whatever it is I'm going to. And then you're going to actually do it versus sit and think about it. And I think uh, to your point, John, there's a lot of people that do sit in that uh, in that spell of just like, oh man, life is so hard. I was one of them. I sat there for quite a while. And the, but once you actually make that decision and say, oh, I need, I want to get better. You got to be able to run with it. Otherwise you're not, you're not really making it any, any decision. You're just, again, talking about it. You're just thinking about it. You're not making any action against it. Uh, any thoughts, Julia? Yeah, I was just thinking of uh, when people really know that they're ready. It's like they're they're just sick of their own bullshit. <laughs> so that's so sorry. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that. And that's when they come to to me. And um, and and I'm sure many of you have realized that too, right? But there's still different uh, periods, different levels where they have that immediate reaction, and so they seek out help. Um, but sometimes there's still that limiting belief that will hold them back, mm-hmm. right? So they might be a few weeks in and I'm, I'm starting to pick up on certain timelines where somebody will be with me for a certain amount of time. And then, and then they start questioning their abilities at certain weeks. And then maybe mm-hmm. it's because things are starting to get, um, they're starting to wonder, you know, they're midway through if they do, you know, they originally sign up for, for 12 weeks and then they usually continue on past that but that's the initial like how they start and uh and so i noticed that there's certain times where people reach a certain point or certain times of the year you know as it approaches to summer and things like that where people will their motivation kind of falls off and you have to really reach out to them (laughs) see you later yeah, it's the smoke. It's the smoke. It's the smoke. See you later. Too much. <laughs> Summer's coming up. See you yeah. later. Yeah. yeah, there's uh. So <laughs> I I kind of you you'd, you'd set a stage there on PTSD and then talking about the battlefield, etc. I just like yeah. to draw this comparison. If someone is considering PTSD as a strategic battlefront, 
and you're sitting on the sidelines considering your strategy, that battlefield never stops moving. This ain't a chess game where everything goes static the moment that you want to take time off to consider things. Here's what happens on an actual battlefield. Every moment that you stand on the sidelines, scratching your head, thinking about your general strategy, things devolve on the battlefield for you. The, the enemy, quote unquote, doesn't like fold their arms and hang out in the trenches waiting for you to figure out your overall strategy. They're on the march. They're trying to outflank you. The strategic battlefield of PTSD is not a chess game. It is a highly fluid, dynamic game that you have to counter fight. You've, well, you've got to fight know. it, you know? And I'm not talking to you, John, or anyone out there right now, other than the broad comparison of this. If you're considering the battlefield strategically, there's things to do. If you're considering the battlefield tactically, there's things to do. You've got to understand the moment, but you also have to understand there's no free ride. On the battlefield of life, there's always something that is working against you that you have to work against it. That's a very good point. And if you want to get better, you usually have to work twice as hard because there's, there's the do. maintenance, right? <laughs> like you can maintain a position and that's can be challenging. To see enough. the gains double down. But then you got to, exactly, you got to go twice as hard, which is, uh, oh, it can be a challenge for a lot of people, I think. From um, So gamify it. Big deal. It's a challenge. <laughs> Whatever. Get in the game. Gamify it. Make it exciting. If you're not excited about getting better, what the heck? Get excited about becoming more awesome. Here's a question for you then. Do you think that the perhaps lack of motivation or the lack of desire for some people to either be coached or seek out coaching. Do you think it could lie in a lot, a lot in self-worth, whether or not they believe they're actually worth the benefits that they're. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Julia? You're nodding your head pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that a lot of people, um, it, and depending on the type of coach that they're seeking out and, and that level, because so some people will not think that they're ready they have to train themselves first or get to a certain point before they seek out help. And that's not the case at all. It's like, like bypass all of that. Just go, go get help right away. <laughs> you know, don't take as long and get the answers because we can all be coached. And so, and Sean made a point about um, how people that are really getting after it, we don't always seek out coaches because we were already go-getters we're, we're taking action. So I was that person and I still am for a long time, but um and I didn't think I needed coaching. And so I never hired coaches because I had, there was a bit of an ego behind it. I was like, Oh, I've got myself the stage. I've got myself, I've won my pro status. I've done all these things coaching myself. Why do I need a coach? But you can always be better. And so I, I did level up once I got coaching as well. And then even my business leveled up everything. So it was me as an athlete, but also me as a coach. So I've improved and now I continue to get coaching because I see that value. So mm. Now that I've hired coaches, I also understand more value in my own coaching and what I give back to others, right? So once people take that first step and they maybe seek out help uh, and bypass all of the wasted time trying to figure it out on their own, <laughs> then uh, they realize the worth of it and their own worth as well. That's a great point. Any thoughts on the rest of the panel here? I think there's acceptance too. Um, I, I mean, uh, two things, right? So one with Sean, um, I, there's a lot of people who fight, let's say like you go with diagnosis, you go with neurodivergent, you go with whatever, maybe you go with, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I hired Julia for a simple reason. I'm sick of having that stupid dad, butt. it's right now it's there. It's stupid stomach that I didn't have when I served and it's fucking whatever. Um, so I that's, that's strike two, brother. That's strike two. Another one. Right. I'm going to have a handle on it. Yeah. It's a language barrier. <laughs> the French version. No excuses here. <laughs> um, so I, I, I hired Julia for that accountability where I'm not going to give up on myself this time. Like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to. I paid. Uh, I have someone who look at the stats that I enter every day. It, it's my 
myself teaching. Now, when you look at mental health or our neurodivergent and so on, you will have people who say, boohoo, I have ADHD, let's screw up my life or whatever, I cannot focus and so on and so forth, um, which is all right. Um, but there's positive to it, right? I, I believe that you, you can battle, you can fight PTSD or you, you can accept that you have it. And how do I organize my life now having this to make it better? Right. There's a way of functioning now with that new addition. Right. So personally, when I stopped filing the, the PTSD and actually trying to work along with it, that's when I started to work. Out. Right. Uh, same with losing weight or being in better shape and so on and so forth. When you accept that, OK, this is the feat that I'm in. OK, now I need to move to get better. There's an acceptance, I believe, in, in that whole aspect to actually go to a second floor second level second whatever it is i like that acceptance of what is that's fantastic uh, got any thoughts chris the, the folks i work with my one of the biggest challenges i face is is having them dream bigger so i'm i help them establish five-year goals and i have found that um five years is, is far enough away that you can like build some real momentum uh, i call it the, the compound interest of effort uh, and so, and so when people will come to me and they're like, all right, this is where I want to be in five years. They're like, sweet. That's awesome. Like double that or triple that or 10 X that because five years is, is a long ways away. And, and the way I approach it is you can, there, man, I, I read something or heard something a long time ago is you can walk further than you can run. And so, so I transition folks out of the sprinter mindset into a marathon mindset. So we're not shooting for beach body in 90 days. I'm, I want you to have a six pack when you're a granddad, you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like that long-term, okay. Slow and steady is, is how we're going to approach this. Um, because that's, that's how you maintain that consistency and that's how you maintain that longevity, uh, and you don't get burned out. Um, and I've also found that as you progress with your tiny steps every day, uh, a year, two years, three years, those tiny steps look different because tiny is subjective. So tiny when you first start might be very tiny versus five years into your journey, tiny might be somebody else's like max effort. You know what I mean? So uh, that, that's kind of how I approach. And that's that's kind of the struggles I face with with folks is that they they don't see the actual potential within the human body and the human mind uh, to to dream bigger. Hmm. Do you think that that might be a um, like a response, societal response in in terms of like? Oh sure, yeah. So so like, and <laughs> and of course I blame social media, despite the fact that I'm on social media. But like, you you go on Instagram and you see people with perfect bodies and so, quote unquote like perfect lifestyles, like big houses, cars, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and I would argue that it makes you want all of that stuff right now. Uh, and of course, yeah, we're, we're kind of a, a microwave society where we want it real fast and, and ready to go. But, but in reality, like in order to get to those places, it, it's just going to take time. And if you can just embrace that, like, all right, we're not sprinters anymore. We're marathon runners. Um, then, then, then that's how you would approach it. And, and so, so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's this un, unrealistic expectation that I should have all of that right now. And if I don't have it all right now, I must be a failure. That's just mm -hmm. not the case. I think everybody's got real potential. They just need to actualize on it. The, the weight loss pill, right? That, that thing that everyone believed that within three weeks, you lose 25 pounds so, and you will never get it back. <laughs> so fun, fun story. So when I was a medic in the, in the army, <laughs> we, we had heard this case study. This guy was pitching a, a weight loss pill and, <laughs> and it worked and it worked in 90 days. You lost a it's ton of selection. Weight. No, it was, it was a tapeworm. He would give, <laughs> administer people tapeworms and they would lose a ton of weight. And then he would give them the, the thing that would kill the tapeworm. And he got in big trouble for it. But in my head, it's like, it worked. Like, why, why would you be mad? It worked. <laughs> it, that that's, it's an effective, efficient way to do it. I guess really, if you think about it, it and if you, it, it is, it, and that's the insidious, insidious, demonic yeah. sort of process there that you get what you want for free you don't have to do anything the tapeworm the tapeworm does all the work where's the lesson in that 
it's it's the lesson in shortcutting and and i know that chris isn't down with that so i mean it's a fun story but you know like the guy who's inventing the tapeworm solution he should have got one right upside the head for uh, that idea in my opinion uh so i'll say this that to chris's point talking about a five-year uh, plan and and how you want to be large and in charge in five years. That's how you should be thinking about things. I've said it in the past. I'm a ten year guy. I'm a ten year project guy. If if you if you want to do something, I don't care what it is, macrame or ride a bike or be large and in charge in something. Make a ten year plan and commit. Because uh, you know, not Julia's twelve week program is a good start. But I would challenge Julia with this uh, thought construct. If you've got someone showing up. Uh, on your front doorstep that says, I want to lose some weight. Uh, I'd like to do your 12-week project, um, but that's all I'm interested in. For me as a coach, I'm not interested because that's me. Because I, I know what they want. They want the tapeworm. <laughs> they want the shortcut. They want the hack. They want the cheat. They want the dad bod in a week with no effort. Mm-hmm. I'm not down with that. That's not how I coach. I expect long-term commitment and some misery in order for you to see what you want to become. If someone tells me, Hey, Sean, uh, in half a year, you could be a world champion uh, ping pong master. Not interested. It's a hack. Six months is nothing. If I'm going to do something, I want to earn my way over the long haul and feel the grind, feel the heat, feel like I earned whatever I'm heading towards in about 10 years, whatever I put my mind to, when I look backwards over the body of work, that's where I'm kind of like, yeah, that was all right. But a half a year, that just doesn't even register on my radar as, as work uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I just realized this, and I think it's kind of hilarious, is that the tapeworm <clears throat> is the perfect uh, imagery for what we're talking about. And that's, it's a parasite. That's what the shortcut is. It's parasitic. Right, it feeds off of the host itself with no gain whatsoever. So the fact that you can, you know, lose that weight, but you have to ingest a parasite in order to do that, I think that's the perfect uh, imagery for the fact of what these shortcuts are: is that you are actually eating away at yourself in order to do it. You're either ingesting poison or um, taking on a parasite or doing anything. You're not actually, you're not doing any work, and you're getting something out of it but it's not going to be what you want at the end of the day. It is not going to be the lesson you need to learn. That's for exactly. sure. Not only that, you might injure your own body with it. Wow, yes. Right. So, I mean, like the, the pill per se, right? How many people now have heart problems because they never took, like it's supposed to be whatever, three months or two months. I don't know how it works, but your heart, your heart rate is higher constantly, which is not good, right? For your system. Um, there's various way of looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm kind of. I keep picturing this little. You t- are enamored with the tapeworm. Aren't I you? am. Well, yes. so do you, have you guys ever watched Futurama? No, oh, nobody in French. So I don't know. In French, okay, <laughs> one person. Okay, well, there's a, there's an episode on there. It's kind of hilarious. Um, one of the main characters eats a really bad egg sandwich, and he starts growing uh, worms in his uh, in his colon. But they actually instead of hurting him they start actually making him smarter and they make him faster make him stronger make him and they try to and they actually start building up his brain pattern and stuff like that but what it does is it changes the main character so drastically that the rest of the characters don't want to interact with him anymore and i still i think it's still a perfect analogy and it was just kicking around in my head is the fact that even if you get all the things you want and you just get them it you are you're not who you were and you didn't actually grow into that person. You just have what you want all of a sudden. But none of the problems have changed. None of the, the thought processes have changed. None of the uh, actual habits that you have have changed at all. You just are all of a sudden better. And it's kind of like when you see someone win the lottery. More lottery winners <laughs> claim bankruptcy than not because they don't know how to manage their money. They just all of a sudden have millions of dollars. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to solve all my problems and then nothing right all that money's gone because they spent it why do you think that is because they don't know how to manage it why it's a free it's a free ride we all get free stuff why can't we manage it because we have not built this we haven't gone through the suck in order to get it to begin with 
there wasn't enough time to learn the lessons that we need to learn in order to manage the new thing. So I'm, exactly. I'm, I don't know what Futurama is. Sounds like a waste of time. It's like Simpson. It's like Simpson, but yeah. sounds like time that you could be doing burpees instead of Probably watching Futurama and egg sandwiches. <laughs> anyway, we'll stick with the egg sandwich analogy. And why were his friends not cool with him rapidly or him, her robot chicken? I'm not sure what we're talking about. Ooh. The thing that was eating the bad egg sandwich that was yeah. evolving so rapidly. I feel the maybe the friends weren't down with it because he or she or it was changing so fast that it was a notable delta and they just couldn't align with that. They couldn't synchronize with that. But you know what happens over a 10 year project? You do make a rapid evolution, but over 10 years mm. and that 10 years is, is micro wins, micro evolution. So everyone around you calibrates to who you newly are over 10 years. Mm. And well, so, if they don't, they go. If they don't, they go. Dude, in 10 years, whether they go or not, in 10 years, your life will be the way it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, out, up, down, left, right, don't matter. If you're doing the right thing for 10 years, your world will look right based on what you've shaped it to look like. And so egg sandwiches, guy or girl or robot, I'm sure they were having problem in a rapid evolution. But over time, it's not a big deal because everyone gets right with the program. That's a great point. It, it, it's, I think, I think the self growth of a person, anyhow, most of the time you're not going to stay or stick with the same people around you. It's very rare that you do, right? Because at one point, I, I see friendship as a trade off, right? I'm learning from you, you're learning from me. And when it stops, despite the fact we're going to part off, right? Like each person in your life are there for a reason, teach you something, learning something. And, and when it comes to an end, the relationship, the friendship, whatever it is, they're there for, they're, they're going to go. And it's not necessarily, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just how it is. You receive what you have to receive from them and, and vice versa. I, I don't have any of my friends from whatever I was like uh, back, back home in, in Frogland. I have none of them, but I evolve. And some of them stayed in the same small city village, whatever it is. I changed, right? Uh, and therefore, I looked for people who have kind of the same uh, either speed or people I'm going to look up to that I, I'm hoping to get to a point of where they are. The two things come to mind. when Wherever you are, whoever you are that is listening to this right now, doesn't matter what part phase of your life you're in or, or whether you're sitting in your car or sitting in your house or in your tent, it doesn't matter where you are right now. The fact remains that your world is typically decided by your choices. Mm -hmm. So if you're having, if your life is feeling pretty good right now, you probably work pretty hard to make it feel good. It probably wasn't luck. It probably didn't fall into your lap. If you're happy with how you've run your morning this morning, chances are it wasn't an ambush. You probably planned it out to have a good morning and do good things to feel good about yourself and those around you and helping the world or however you However your world turns, if it's feeling like it's good right now, you created it. And if it doesn't feel good, you created it. And if you want to feel good 10 years from now, think about what's going to make you feel good 10 years from now and create it over a long time. That way, all of your friends around you don't have to freak out because you changed in two weeks from a guy who isn't fun to be around. And now you're so hyped up that you're not fun to be around because mm -hmm. you're not actually that person yet. It takes time to calibrate to who you're going to become bit by bit, day by day, year after year. No one freaks out around you because you didn't like do a mega spike and a mega drop and a mega spike and a mega drop trying to solve it all in two weeks. Take your time, chip away, long-term project and smash. And when I say smash, I mean make things happen. It doesn't mean that you've got to go warp factor three every single second of the day, but you've got to produce. You've got to commit to creating action in your life that has a more forward momentum based outcome. I like that a lot. And it actually brings up a, a great point in the fact that, you know, we talked about this a number of times, but you know, it's very important to understand who you are surrounding yourself with. 
right? And that, that's part of the choice is that if you're surrounded by people that aren't aligning with the choices you want to make, then you might have to shift the people you're around in order to align yourself with the choices you want to make. And then on top of that, you know, uh, I think Chris and I were talking about this when we first started chatting was like a lot of people fail in the process because initially they want to change everything all at once, right? I want to, I want to eat right. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to journal. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you're going to do everything all at once. And just like we were saying, and it goes to, you know, in your, in your own health, this is not what you want to do either, right? You don't want huge emotional spikes of whatever and ups and downs that you want to try and you want to try and surf it out, try and level it off. <laughs> uh, and I think that's a great point. But uh, any thoughts on what Sean was saying? Anybody? Yeah, Dan Pena. He, he's one of the most <laughs> crass individuals I've, I've ever heard on the, the internet, and I absolutely love him. But <laughs> his... His uh, a quote that he says often that I absolutely adhere to is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, be very selective with your tribe and who you allow into your inner circle. Uh, and um, it's, it's something I do with, with my clients too, is like, all right, uh, I've, I've got three phases to my program. It's Phoenix serpent and tribe tribe is, is like the most important is, uh, surround yourself with the people that are on the same mission. They don't have to be headed. They don't have to be trying to achieve the exact same goal as you, but they better be on the same glide path. Um, otherwise, otherwise it's almost better just to go alone than, than to be surrounded by people that are dragging you down. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. So yesterday almost made the exact same point, not as well as you did, Chris, but, uh, with Pat Mack yesterday, it was, uh, towards the end of the potty and said, look, look, it's okay. If you're a tier one guy and you're feeling good about yourself and you're standing on that ground and holding it and et cetera, that's cool. That's only part of the equation. You got to look to your left and right and see who's standing next to you. Your life is determined by who is on your side right now. That's the first phase of understanding if you're running your program. Well, the second phase, cause we were talking, we'd made reference to the eulogy or Pat Mack had made reference to his dad's eulogy. The second part is not only who's standing next to you, but when you're getting six feet undered at your eulogy, you got to make sure that the right people are standing there giving you the nod. If you don't know any of those people or you don't respect those people who are giving you the nod as you're six feet under, then you didn't run your program well. So make sure you're surrounded by the right people and make sure at the end of the journey, the right people give you the nod. That's how you know you've run a good life. I don't need a whole pile of people giving me the nod at the end of days, but I want a few to give me the nod. The people that I respect, I want to make sure that I kind of held up my end of the bargain. You know what I mean? Mm. I really like that. Actually, there's a um, there's a saying in Judaism when someone dies that it you know it's it's not quite like I'm sorry and stuff like that, but it is uh, let their memory be a blessing. And the whole concept is that, you know, every time you think of them, it shouldn't be a sad moment. It should be a happy moment. Like you got to know this person. That, that's a good thing you got. To, and I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, make sure that your memory is a blessing. Make sure that you lived a life well enough with a circle of friends that you hung out well, uh, you hung out with doing great things so that they can remember you with a smile on their face every single time. And I think that'd be a, a good way to go. <laughs> at least in my mind mm -hmm. Julie you got any thoughts I um, know you've been quiet so I just want to put, I want to yeah. pick on you a little bit <laughs> like this yeah many times I probably should have said something earlier on little bits we talked about here or there but um yeah about people we surround ourselves with definitely you know make a, a huge impact on us I talk to a lot of my clients about that too and about habit change and our environments um, and creating that community within our group as well so that um, a lot of them have gotten to know each other quite a bit. And I have a retreat happening in June where many of them are coming out here. So they'll nice. get to know each other as well. So, and, um, and that has helped a lot of them in their process and to, to go further than they ever imagined at the beginning. So yeah, when I mentioned that about 12 weeks, that's kind of just 
I've, I don't really think I've, I think that there's only been two people that ever actually left after 12 weeks. No one's actually ever left then. <laughs> they, that's just, it's kind of, um, I don't frame it that way, but it's just, it's, it's hard to, you want to have a basic amount of time that somebody's commits to understand that they're not going to just have this miracle pill in, in a month. <laughs> they're not going to have mm-hmm. this automatic change that happens that fast. But at the same time, um, yeah, I try to tell them it's going to be a process. I mean, my own, really don't compare yourself to other people because my own process through fitness has been, you know, I've evolved over the years and I've been, you know, competing for over a decade and things like that. So, and, and that has changed and my interest in other sports has changed as well so that they're going to keep evolving so that they understand that we talk about that. But, um, but yeah, it is hard to, to get the right, I don't know what Chris does and kind of curious like how do you get people I know you've talked about those three you know levels of programs you have and I guess I'm still trying to think about that like how do I get them from this one level into the next so in the first six months I have a curriculum where we talk about you know we get into in the in the month four we get into more mindset um but yeah getting them to think long-term. I mean, longer term than what they commit to with me, but what they're going to do next, right? So. What do you think, Chris? Uh, yeah, so the folks that I that I work with, um, I, our first session is all about, all right, tell me who do you want to become? Not what do you want? What do you want to achieve? What kind of things do you want to accomplish? What kind of person do you want to be in five years? Uh, and the reason I do that is because uh, I found oftentimes people start chasing down these goals and then they, they get part way there and they realize, man, I don't really want the fancy car in the mansion. Yeah. It's so hard. Right. I just want, well, or not even that. It's just like, I actually just want a cabin in the woods and peace and quiet. (laughs) And so, and so the identity piece that that I start with, which is, um, as I was mentioned before, that's my Phoenix phase. Um, the identity piece is important because that, that is the value system on which, uh, we stack our goals. So who you want to be will dictate what you want to achieve, what you want to get. Um, and so if you want to be the guy that is living the simple life and in content with, you know, the cabin in the woods and, and stuff like that, then, then that's going to drive your goals in a very different way. Um, the, the example I give my, my, the folks I work with is, you know, my identity uh, mentally is like, I want to be a constant learner. I am a constant learner. That's what I tell myself. And for a long time, I was I was like, all right, that means I have to read a book a week. And and for a while, I was getting really wrapped around the axle of of reading a book a week. And if I didn't read a book a week, I started feeling really guilty. And then I started getting like really down on myself, like, oh, oh man, I'm, I'm behind schedule. And then and then I pumped the brakes for a second. I was like, all right, what's what's my actual desired end state? It's like, well, I just want to learn things. I want to be constantly devouring information. Well, well, that what that actually translates to is like, I don't need to read a book a week. What I need to do is focus on the quality of books that I do ingest and ensure that I'm retaining the information therein. And so, so what it did was my identity stayed the same. I am a constant learner, but it shifted my goals into something that was more aligned to that identity. And it's because that value system is the foundation on which everything else is driven. I like that a lot. Got to know who you are before you can go anywhere else. I like that a lot. Um, well, you, as an, and as a coach, you've got to know who they are in order for them to go whichever direction they're going to go. And so my Phoenix phase was the first time I'd talk to someone, and it might look like this, <laughs> sticking with the Phoenix analogy. Uh, yeah, now you're on fire. Are you going to rise out of the flames? See ya. And that's it. You're done. Like if you, if you spontaneously combust while I'm putting the heat on you as to whether I'm going to coach you or not, or if you've got the conviction or not, and you start cracking, move on to someone else's program. Cause my program is you're going to be on fire a long time and you might not rise from the flames, maybe by the end of the 10th year. Uh, so for coaches, I think to Chris's point, you before you take on any client ever from this point forward sit down and understand what your first few minutes are with each person who uh wants to be entertained by the idea of maybe having a coach there's a lot of people out there who think they want to be coached even if they have what they believe to have the conviction to be coached 
I don't have an hour for every person who's contacted me and said, <laughs> I'm thinking of this thing called coaching. What can you tell me about it? Bounced. So in pretty short order, I know what's what with a person. And in pretty short order, they know what my expectations are. Uh, so I'd, for any coaches out there, clear up that first few minutes with any incoming clients and hold hard boundaries. I, I, I was very rigid with who I would accept because I don't have the time to babysit a whole pile of people. I'm performance related. So I had tight boundaries. It's something to consider. Last thing I'll say is speaking about coaching for all the coaches that are on here. Um, you're out coaching people, or if you're in the internet listening to this right now, you're out coaching people while you're coaching, pay attention to the next phase, which happens. And that is coaching coaches. And so not only are you learning how to coach clients, you're actually learning your own processes to then be able to teach it to other new coaches, which is what I do from time to time. And I'll tell you, that's an entirely different skill set that you should be learning now, because in the future, if you aren't thinking of doing it in the future, you should be now because it's a, it's a valuable job. I don't do it for money. I do it for free, but it's valuable because we're supposed to be raising that next generation of coaches to do it better than we did. So start paying attention to how to do it better for them. It's called coachception. Coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches. <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> You're going down four levels here, people. Uh, we are we're running a little short uh, on time here, so I figured um, anybody got any final points before we shut her down here? Let's start with uh, Julia. Got any final thoughts on what we've gone over today? Coaching, getting coached, being coached, coaches, anything? Um. Just to, I don't know, I'm, I'm a fan and I'll always, now that I have started getting coaching myself, uh, and that's only been the past couple of years, but I, I, I definitely understand the values. So I'm, I'm always going to be looking to level up. And so I might not always have the same kind of coach. Maybe it's business coaches, maybe it's, um, you know, athletic coaches, diff- different types of sports that I want to try. But, um, but I definitely believe that we all need to progress constantly. (laughs) And, uh, and so I know that that will involve uh, looking for people to coach me to what I want to be. So, and then I can then do that and coach my clients, (laughs) maybe coach coaches. We'll see what happens, Sean. (laughs) Oh, you'll get there. Okay. I guess I have to say, yes, that will happen. It will happen. (laughs) It's on the internet now. It's going to happen. There you go. Uh, John, any thoughts? Uh, well, first, it's always a pleasure. Um, the other thing that was running in my mind is the uh, um, the idea of having a coach and having a coach are two different things, right? So saying like, oh, I have Sean as a coach, just, I'm, I'm, I'm tough or whatever that is. Yeah. And then when you sit with the coach itself, then mentally it might be that challenge, right? Like it's, 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 it, those are two different things because it's one is saying it's like a motivation. Motivation and commitment are two different things. They are very right. true. So uh, one one is um, uh, I have the word in French. Um, <laughs> it goes away from motivation, right? But commitment stays. Mm-hmm. If you commit to yourself, it's gonna it's gonna remain. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna remain. So I, I think that's that's the, the as well a large difference in between. Like I'm gonna sign up with that crazy coach. I'm gonna be proud about it and brag about it, but but. Beside bragging, it's going to cost you to be yeah, coached well, by a person like this. Yeah, as 100%. it should be, though. I mean, yeah. isn't that fantastic? We all get to pursue our own level of uncomfort, discomfort, mm-hmm. challenge, whatever you want to call it, adversity. If someone steps up on me and they want to be in the hurt locker, congratulations, you win. And so, um, but I ain't for everyone. In fact, I'm for very few. And so there's lots of coaches out there that are better coaches than I am, get better results. They're better, better, better. But I'm a particular style. And that's critical for everyone to understand that if you're, if you're looking for a coach, make sure that you're aligned with the coach immediately within the first minute or two. Uh, don't waste the coach's time. Don't waste your time. If you aren't interested in being in the hurt locker, don't contact me. But if you are interested in the hurt locker, contact me. That's how the binary thought process should be when you're looking for a coach. 
immediately consider what you want, who can provide it, instantly synchronized, because there'll be road, there'll be obstacles, there'll be speed bumps, there'll be, you'll be off the curve into the weeds sometimes <laughs> with your coach, even at the best of times. So you've got to find the right person immediately. Don't waste anyone's time, including your own. Don't like lie to yourself. I think it comes down to this, right? Don't lie to yourself. That's exactly it. Chris, you got any uh, final thoughts? Uh, I'll end with somebody that was way smarter than me, and that's Dan Pena. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. I like it. Mic drop right there. I got to start following that guy. <laughs> Sean, you got any final thoughts? No. No, I don't. Thanks. Yeah, all right, cool. Well, as we, uh, as we all learn how to be coached, as we all build our own ability to be coached, and we all grow as coaches, we can do that here on The Collective every day, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.